Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're new, I am Charlie, the lead pastor here, and really glad that you're here with us. And we would love to know you were here. You can go to the grovechurch.org slash connect. Let us know you're here. Come out to the connect desk, meet some people. If you're visiting, you know, we'd just love to know you were here any way that we can help you, serve you. Please let us know. Um, and for those of you who've been around, you know that we uh, launched a capital campaign a couple weeks ago. And in a really, really short period of time, we're trying to raise, we were trying to raise 80000 In a short period of time, we've already raised forty-five which is really, really good. We're excited about that. And so now we're kind of, you know, it always feels, I'm a math guy. I was a math major. It's like, yeah, we're kind of down, we're going downhill now, right? Over halfway, which is really good. And kind of in a real manageable, manageable spot here. We're saying, hey, just 35 families giving 1,000, 70 giving 500, and boop, 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 you're there. I mean, it's like, we're really close and we're raising money for our worship equipment uh, to kind of a spruce up and do some awesome things in our kids' ministry and for our missions. And so if you've not uh, participated in that yet, you can go to thegrovechurch.org slash give. We have the cards. And I know, I mean, I just, I've been around long enough. I know you guys, some of you guys are, have a rebellious streak too. I had at least two people in the last week come up to me and be like, man, I don't want to fill out a card. Can I just tell you? Okay, sure, sure. If you've got some anti-card thing going on, you can just come up to me and tell me what you'd like to do. It's, it's great. So we started a series in Daniel last week. Mark launched it for us. It was really, really good. Um, and we're back, we're back in that. We'll be there for the next few weeks. Um, but a few weeks before that, we were talking about money. And during one of the sermons I was preaching, we were talking about different bad attitudes that we have about money. And I confessed that one of the things that I, I, I have kind of an irrational fear, like if one bad thing happens, it means a lot of bad things are going to happen. And I just kind of confess the fear that I have and... And in it, I talked about how one of the car, my oldest daughter's car, had, had broken down, ultimately, like major transmission problems. We had to get rid of it. I had to get a different car. We didn't want to. And it's like, and I said, I have this fear, I have this irrational fear that something bad is going to happen to one of the other cars. And I just, and it just, I just feel that. And for those of you who believe in the power of the jinx, that you don't manifest things into the air, right? Um, get a call last Friday night. Um, nine days ago, um, that uh, the car that I'd given Heidi, my, my old red Hyundai, the check engine light had come on. It was just kind of shaking vigorously. Take it to a mechanic that we trust, get it back from him on Monday, say it is major engine failure. It's going to need an engine replace. <clears throat> so, so, but here's the thing. Good news. It only has 75,000 miles on it, and the engine is covered in the 100,000-mile warranty, right? So it's going to be fine. But here's the thing. This, and, and they warned me. The guy's this mechanic. He's like, you, I, I, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but you probably have to get a lawyer. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to fight. Like, I don't already want to have to fight. Like, I don't want to fight. And my first interaction with the dealership, when I took the car over there, I'm not going to go into too many details. It just, it just didn't go well. And I'm like, I was like now, now, we're having, now we're having to fight. And, I, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to fight, but it feels like to me like that's the only way. Like I've kind of, I don't say reputation is the right name, but I just have this thing. It's like you have a customer service problem. If it doesn't work out through the normal tactics, if you'll tweet at their customer service department, like they respond to that. And so I'm already in my mind, I'm kind of crafting angry responses on how to deal with this. And I'm just kind of getting just worked up. And there's this thing that pops into my mind. And I don't know if it pops into yours. It probably pops into mine more than it does yours. Which is, it's not like my only goal here 
is to, is to get this covered by the warranty. Like, I also want to represent God well in this situation. Like, I want to represent, but what, what does it mean? What does it mean? How do you advocate for yourself strongly, but still be, represent God well? And, and I think if we were honest about it, there are a lot of situations that we get put into that it's really not particularly clear how to honor God best in this situation. Like, it's not as clear-cut as, like, like you get into an argument with somebody and you think, man, I think I want to kill him, but I'm not, right? And then you don't, and you're like, I did it, I did it, I didn't kill him. Or, or it's like, should I, should I not tell my spouse that I love them? Yes, of course you should. I mean, there's just certain things that are obvious, but there are a lot of non-obvious situations that we find ourselves in. We know how to handle them. When, when, when a relationship starts breaking down, if a relationship starts to get a little bit toxic and we don't know how to deal with it, when, when extended family kind of relationships start to break down, how do you do it? In a job situation, like I'm unhappy in my job, am I supposed to stay or am I supposed to not? When it seems like maybe in a particular career, like the only way to kind of get ahead is to use this tactic and it feels like maybe this tactic is a little morally ambiguous at best and I just... It's not, it's not simple, like, to say, what is the right thing? What is the best thing? And, like, I, I, want, I, want to, I, want to, I want them to cover it, right? I mean, it's, 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 I want them to cover it, but I also don't, and I, I've joked about this before. I don't, I don't want it to be. I don't want to see on social media, I saw a pastor today at the Hyundai dealership, and you will not believe what he said. Right, because there was this moment I had this weird interaction. So then I called the 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 customer service guy there, and I was already and I was talking to him on the phone. You can talk to my wife Heidi about it. It was it was it was something. He's I felt like he was just trying to hey hey hey. I felt like I was just kind of getting spun around a little bit. And so then I'm just like, well, let me tell you how this is going to go. And this is and this and this and 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 I and I don't try to out talk me. I'm a professional word talker. I talk all the words. And it frustrates me. It frustrates you trying to spin me. Don't spin me. Don't try to confuse me. Don't try to act like you're smarter than me. And it just, it's hitting all these triggers for me. And I'm just, pop, 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 pop. And then, you know, the conversation was over. And I looked at Heidi and I was like, that was good, wasn't it? And she's like, <laughs> and she's like, she's feistier than me. She's like, oh, yeah, it was. And, but then I got, was it good? Was it? Was it? Man, I probably got a little bit closer to what I need? I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I look back on it, and, and it's interesting because here, this is kind of, I promise all this ties in. This is not just me just dirt, airing my dirty laundry publicly. Because we find ourselves in Daniel chapter 2 today. And when, when we saw this last week with Mark in Daniel chapter 1, where essentially the king of Babylon is trying to take all these guys, these leaders from Israel, and kind of put them through this really an indoctrination program to kind of get all the Jewishness out of them and to turn them into just Babylonians. And they were kind of in this situation where they were going to have to violate what they believed God wanted from them for their diet. Like, I'm not, we're not allowed to eat these things. God says it's forbidden for us. And you're trying to do this thing in us. And they had to figure out where they're going to take a stand. And he talked about, as an example, kind of how he used to minister to football, football players and them trying to navigate locker rooms. Like locker rooms can be tricky places sometimes where, okay, if I want to be, do I want to be a bro or do I look at it and be like, man, you can't 
say that. You can't talk about women that way. You can't use that word as an insult anymore. Do you hide? Do you run? Do you fight? We find ourselves in these kinds of situations, and Daniel does too. He finds himself in this kind of what feels like an impossible situation. And again, I think if we were to just to think about it, we've got some challenges, the real challenges in our life right now don't have incredibly easy answers to them. It is not clear and obvious what is the best right thing to do. But typically what we do is we fall into kind of one, one of three categories of the way that we respond to this, and they're all just kind of these absolute things that we do, and they're not great. We hide. We just, we just, we just run away from the problem completely. The problem's over there. That means I'm going to be over here, and I'm just going to hide from it. Or we'll fight, and we just choose to fight. We'll just call that the social media strategy. I'm just going to fight. Anytime I see anything or read anything where somebody, you will not believe it, I was on there the other day, and somebody said something wrong. And so I had to tell them. I had to tell them how wrong they were. In fact, I searched the internet day and night for opinions that are wrong so that I may tell them. And, and, and we choose to just, we always fight, always fight, always confrontational. Or we just conform. If this is what you have to do here, if this is how you this is, this is the way we talk, this is how we talk, this is how we, we, we do business, this is how I'll do business. But if we put those strategies aside, we, 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 need, I mean, we, we need a good strategy on how to really deal with the real moral challenges, the real life challenges that life will throw at us. So again, we're here in Daniel chapter 2 to make sure we understand here. They're in Babylon. So there was, two, there was one kingdom of Israel. It got split into two. The northern kingdom, they got taken out by the Assyrians a couple centuries ago. And now we just got Judah, and they just recently got captured by Babylon. And Babylon is, for that historical time period, is one of the cruelest nations there ever was. Their war tactics, their torture, the way that they would murder people, it was unbelievable. They were terrors. They were, they were the terrorists of their time as far as the way that they conducted war and interacted with other nations. They were horrible. And they have now captured Judah... And, and, and part of just kind of taking over and killing a lot of people, they also took a lot of what they believed to be the best and brightest back to Babylon and kind of this indoctrination program to kind of make sure that they're just, even the people who were by blood Jewish people, there weren't going to be any Jewish people, only Babylonians everywhere. And so um, in, in, in chapter 1, we, ha- we saw the thing with Mark where they kind of rejected the diet but ended up being really strong and gaining a lot of favor And so now Daniel and his friends have some favor with the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. So we find ourselves here, and again, to make sure, it's really important. Nebuchadnezzar was a cruel genocidal genocidal, um, dictator. And we're going to discover here today that in addition to that, he was actually also crazy, right? Chapter 2, verse 1, in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Make sure you're following that here. He's had had a dream the night before and he's troubled by it. 
but he doesn't remember it. And so he's asking these astrologers and whatnot to say, I need you to tell me what I dreamed last night and the interpretation of it. It's actually fairly normal. We'll see a lot of stories like this in the Old Testament, people having dreams and a prophet of some sort coming and interpreting the dream. This is different. I need you to tell me what I dreamed and the interpretation of it. It's, it, it you, see, you, may, you, may, you may miss that at first, which I think also the people that he's talking to, they missed it too because they say in verse 4, <coughs> then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. Well, you can't just be asking us to interpret, to, to, to tell you, you can't be doing that. You just must want us to interpret it. So tell us the dream and we'll interpret it. And here's his response, verse five. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. What this is crazy. Listen, guys, I mean, so you almost, you almost like just kind of very calm. Hey, listen, here's what I've decided. You're gonna tell me what I dreamed and exactly what it means, or I'm going to cut you into little bits and burn your houses down. And they're like, they're like oh, yeah, yeah. listen, dude, this is what they say. They're like, listen, just tell us the dream, and we will absolutely tell you the interpretation. And he says, you're trying to stall me for time, because you know that I firmly decided this, and what I firmly decided is you have to tell me the dream and what it means, or I am going to cut you into pieces. And they come back to him, it's like, no one can do that. No one knows what you dreamed. Just tell us the dream. And he, the, the more that they push back against him, the more outraged he becomes. And so finally, verse 12, it says, this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. And so Daniel wasn't summoned here. It was just kind of these, again, these kind of wizards, right? The sorcerers, astrologers, these kinds of things. Kind of, he kind of summoned all of them. But saying, okay, not only all of you, but anybody anywhere who kind of thinks that they're the kind of person who knows this kind of stuff, we're taking them all out. Go round them up. Verse 14, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put, the death, put to death the wise men of Babylon. So he sent out his king's guard. The king's guard has come out. And he's going around, rounding everybody up. And he finally gets to Daniel. So when he had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. I'm sitting here looking at my little countdown clock. I don't know if you know, I've got a little countdown clock up here. It tries to keep me in the box. There's a part of me, it's like, a part of me just wants to kind of just kind of look, okay, but like, hey, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say that again and make you spend the next 12 minutes on your own just kind of thinking about it. Because there's a crazy story here of, of, a, of a king who wants to cut people into pieces. And we're going to see this really cool thing that, Daniel, that God does through Daniel here. And right in the middle of it, I think, is the most significant part. It's not the most outrageous part. It's not the crazy part. It's not the weird part. It's not the miraculous part. But the most significant part of the passage when he says, And Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. If there's anything that I think that our culture needs communication-wise, a lot of wisdom and a lot of tact. So that's kind of the first piece here. Just be wise and tactful. When you find yourself in these sorts of situations there, can you be wise? Can you be tactful? 
Wisdom being that I understand that it's kind of knowledge applied. It's one thing to know something. It's another thing to know that if I do this, this will happen. But if I do this, this will happen. If I do this, to understand that what I do and what I say will affect the outcome. Some people are just what we call truth tellers. I'm just going to say it and the reaction is completely on you. I just got some things I got to say. Again, very, most people are very brave in that on a keyboard, right? A wise person recognizes that what happens, the result of, this, of what you do is largely based on what I say. There's wisdom. And again, there's tact, which means sensitivity. I know who you are. I know how you respond. I'm thinking of you and your feelings and the place that you're in. I can only imagine what this poor Kingsguard was thinking. It wasn't like he was saying, man, it's the best day ever. I'm just going to go round up people who haven't done anything except be unable to guess what this crazy dude's dream was. And I've got to round them up and cut them into pieces and then go burn their houses down. This guy wasn't in a great spot, but it had been really easy for Daniel to just kind of just start going off. And I'm like, What? You got to be kidding me with this. You're going to come out and you're going to come arrest me? What's wrong with you? No, he said, said, wisdom intact. He understood what is called for. He, he, He de escalated. Very often, we will meet outrage with our own outrage, we meet someone else's intensity with our own intensity. And again, there are a lot of great applications here. You ever had a boss that not literally has threatened to chop all of you into pieces, but just comes in just demanding things that don't make any sense, having expectations that don't make any sense, acting really crazy? You ever had a spouse come at you like this? And again, I'm not talking about abuse. Abuse, I'm not trying to make a joke here about abuse. I'm not talking about abuse. Abuse is a terrible thing. I'm just talking about when we all just kind of get a little bit irrational and your spouse comes at you just kind of with irrational expectations and you always this and you never that and I don't know what's wrong with you and you can't and you can't do anything right and you're this and you're this and it just kind of comes at you and it feels a little bit like this. And again, what do you want to do? I want to hide. I want to fight. I'm just, okay, whatever. Just kind of mm-hmm. sink your shoulders and just kind of take. Do, what, am, what do I do? What do I do? And it begins with wisdom intact that what I say and how I respond, it matters. And I want to be known as someone who is smart and kind. If we just brought a little bit more thoughtfulness and a little more kindness, into the world, that would be great. But also just in your individual situations that you're thinking about, the things that you're going through, the challenges in your life, you would do well to bring a little bit of wisdom and kindness to it. But this is not all that happens. Because immediately what happens next, he says, hey, he goes, he's like, hey, he comes up with wisdom intact, essentially says, hey, you take me to the king, I think we can get this resolved. And so then he goes then to his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He goes to them, he's like, I'm going to need you guys to pray. I'm sure you've heard about this by now, and we're all about to get rounded up. I'm about to go to the king. I need you guys to pray. And he says this, verse 18, Daniel chapter 2. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Like, guys, we got, we're in a really tight spot here. 
Probably some of those guys and some of those initial sorcerers are probably already dead. We don't know. Probably a lot of these guys are already dead and they're coming for us next. Um, I need you guys to pray. I need you to beg God to show up big because it's not something that I can do. I can't, can't guess this guy's dream. I need you to pray. And so not only does he come with wisdom and tact, but he trusts God. And I know that's just kind of a thing that you say. It's church. You go, and, and the pastor then said, in a difficult situation, you need to learn to trust God. And you need to pray. It's like, no, really. No, really. Your outcomes, what you want to happen, what needs to happen, the healing in your relationship, your, your clarity about your future, what's going on with your job, the moral dilemma you find yourself in, all these challenges that are the real challenges that you face in life about who I'm supposed to be. Are you making a place for God there? I was talking through some of this with a guy just uh, actually a couple of days ago as we were just kind of talking about this, kind of applied to some things that he was going through and we were talking about. I was kind of working my way through it. Sometimes I'll do that throughout the week if I'm meeting with somebody. I'll just kind of, hey, here's a thought I had for you and I'm really just kind of practicing my sermon on them. It's a tactic. And um, I'm talking to him about it. I was like, yeah, and then Daniel, and then Daniel prayed and then that voice immediately came. He's like, bro, have you prayed about this? Situation with the warranty? I mean, I've, I've had some conversations. I'm already three steps down the road. Well, if this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens again, I've already got a very well-worded, pointed tweet ready to go. I've got all these things I'm ready to say. And I, okay, if he says this and I'm going to do this, and then when he says this and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm ready, I'm like, I'm three steps ahead. I'm three steps ahead in the angry fight chessboard match. And God says, well, have you prayed about it? And honestly, I had to be honest. I hadn't even given it a token prayer. I said, God, just kind of whatever, whatever, God, just be with me when I'm, I hadn't even given it a token prayer, much less been like, hey, God, you want, I really, I really need you. I really don't want to buy a new engine. I, ne- I need your help. Will, will you step in? And so as I was driving away from that, I spent a lot of time praying. Just spent a lot of time praying. Because I tried to call corporate Hyundai earlier in the week and take for this whatever you want. I couldn't even get through. It wasn't like I was getting a busy signal. It's AT&T would come up and be like, the, so many people are trying to call, we can't even connect you. I don't know what that means, but it can't be good news. And so then I call on Friday. It immediately goes through after having tried all afternoon a couple of days earlier. It immediately goes through. I have to wait 15 minutes, which in customer service, phone customer service time is like an instant answer as far as I'm concerned. I only have to wait 15 minutes. So I'm 15 minutes in, and I'm talking to this guy. Oh, yeah, we just recently discovered this, this about your car. And there was a recall, but yours didn't apply for it. But now it does. And we just recently added this in. It doesn't have this part, which is a new part that we've added. And so that's why this happened to your engine. This was going to absolutely be covered. Now, we're not, we're not whooping yet. Thank you for not whooping. Because there's still some space between what happened on Friday and what's going to happen next Thursday when I take it back to the dealership for final confirmation of all of this. Anything can still happen. But it was really amazing that a moment of prayer, a moment of quiet reflection, a moment of just saying, God, I need to give this to you for a little bit, turns into, 
I couldn't even get through before. Now I can get through. And what I got was, what I got was way exceeds expectations. I, call, I, text, I called Heidi and I was like, well, and this is going to sound bad. I'm like, Pastor, I'm not supposed to talk like this, right? This went better than I ever could have imagined. Like, I'm just, I'm just like, my, my expectations are so low. But I invite God and he exceeds even what I would have considered the absolute best case scenario. Because ultimately, I'm having to leave space for him to do something. So what happens next? So Daniel gets there. He gets there and he's talking to the king. He's like, hey, so they say you can tell me my dream. He's like, I can't, but God can. And so he's like, well, tell me my dream in the interpretation. And then God shows up big for Daniel. God shows up big for him and... He tells him the dream. Hey, you dreamed about this big statue and it had a gold head and then like a silver body and then copper and then clay. Had all these different layers, all these different things. And then this, this rock comes out of heaven and just kind of destroys the whole thing. He says, let me tell you what that means. What that means is you're kind of this gold part of the statue, this really strong kingdom, but you're going to be replaced by a different one. It's going to be replaced by a different one. going to be replaced by a different one. And they're all of different qualities. But then this rock is from heaven. It is a kingdom that God is going to establish from heaven. It is going to come and is going to destroy everything. It is a kingdom that's going to last forever. And it's a really cool thing there. It's a, it's a prophecy about Jesus. You can connect it to Jesus. You can also connect these four different layers to very specific kingdoms that kind of oversaw that area all the way up until the point that Jesus came. It's incredible. And if we were going through Daniel with a different theme kind of at the focus, there's some really awesome things to talk about there. And it's really cool how all of this comes together and, and how all this leads essentially all the way up to Jesus. But for the, for the themes that we're looking at specifically through Daniel and this, here's the thing that I want to make sure that you notice. This king says, what was my dream in the interpretation? And essentially what Daniel says to him is, your kingdom's about to get taken out by a much lesser kingdom. And then that one's going to get taken out and, that one's, and then God's going to establish the real eternal kingdom. Because let me tell you, this crazy dude, he believes his kingdom was eternal. Not that he specifically was going to live forever, but that his kingdom, like his son, his grandson, they all believe in this kind of eternal legacy. Not only is, your, not, is that not true, you're going to be taken out by a significantly lesser kingdom. And actually God is the one that is going to establish the real kingdom, which is not yours. Is that what you say? Is that what you'd say to the crazy homicidal maniac who's going to choppy, chop, chop, chop? That's not what I would say. I mean, you can't really lie about the dream. Like you can't just make up, oh, you had a dream that you went on a picnic and the food was tasty. Like he know, he, he'll remember, like you, you start telling somebody, did you, you know, he says, hey, this was your dream. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's gonna start remembering. You can't lie about that. But you can absolutely lie about the interpretation. You make him the rock that came from heaven. He could have said anything you wanted to, but he didn't. Because what he did was he spoke truth. He spoke truth. And this is, this is what we see from Daniel. He's wise. He's kind. He puts his faith and his trust in God. And he speaks the truth. He's not a compromiser. He's not a compromiser. He's not a jerk. He's not self-reliant. All the things that we tend to fall into. 
that in order way for me really to survive is to compromise on the things that I think that God has called me to. I mean, it's just, it's just one lie and everybody lies and it's not that big a deal. I, sa- I, said what I, had to, I said what I had to say to survive. Like, who would have blamed him? Who would have blamed Daniel in that moment to just kind of make up some different interpretation for the dream so that he and his boys can survive? Like, oh, what a terrible thing he did. No, he, he didn't. He didn't compromise. But he could be confident in it because he had already put his faith and trust in God and had left space for God to do what he was going to do. And God did. He told him what the dream was, but then that very same God told him what to say, and he did it. And so when the right thing became clear, Daniel had the courage to do it. He had the courage to say and to do and be who God had called him to be. So he gives him the interpretation in this verse 47. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you are able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. So what happened? What happened? Daniel had prayed. I asked this guy, hey guys, I need you to pray. I need you to pray that I have enough favor with the king that he doesn't kill us. And what does God do? Not only that, but allows Daniel to be in kind of this king's inner court and gets his friends promoted to kind of these governor roles. So God did even more than what was asked. And I'll leave you with this thought that we need to leave space for God to do the work and bring the blessing. See, I'm just to be honest with you. When this thing comes up and it looks like I'm gonna have to start fighting people to, to advocate for myself, to get what I need, to get what I want, I don't bring God into it. Because there's, just, because there's this thing that we do where there's like, there's spiritual things and then there's secular things. And like, okay, in order for me to, 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 to make this happen, it's gonna get ugly. And it's like, Jesus, you know, you don't, you don't wanna be associated with this. I kinda gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do this. It's probably best you just stay over here while, while I get this done. It's gonna be a little ugly. And you're Jesus. And he's like, I, and so often, I'm trying to tackle these issues and these problems, these challenges in my life, my own confidence, my own strength, my own abilities, my own knowledge, my own wisdom, my own tactics. And I don't leave space to God for God to show up. And let me tell you, God is wanting to show up. Now, I can't guarantee outcomes for you. I just wanna make sure that's really clear. This is not some pattern. If you follow all these rules, then you'll get the best outcome every time. The Bible is full of such stories and the world is full of such stories of people being and doing exactly what God's called them to be and still not getting the good outcomes. But what I am suggesting is that we're not even making space for the best outcomes. We're not even giving the opportunity for the one who really has the ability to bring the big outcome. 
There was nothing Daniel could do to change the heart of a crazy, maniacal, genocidal dictator. But God can do that. And there, some of these challenges that you face in your life with your family, with your extended family, with your job, with your finances that are overwhelmed, there's not a tactic that you have that can solve that problem. But the God of the universe has no limits. And are you making space in your life and in your situations for God to show up? and to bring above and beyond blessing into your life. So I talk about this long enough and I use use my own example. I'm trying to navigate some situation here and I use vague and it could be this for you. It could be this. Here's the thing that I know. I know there's people around here whose families are struggling. I know there's people right now who are looking for a job. I know there's people here who are completely dissatisfied with their job. I know there's people who are completely overwhelmed by a financial circumstance in their life. You find yourself in some sort of crossroads, some internal battle, some external battle. And when I say all that, there's something specific that's coming to your mind. There's something very, every time I bring it up, it just kind of keeps coming back. Let's make this commitment. This is not an application for later today. It's not something we're going to do tomorrow. It's not for next week. It's not for the next one. That right now we make a commitment together. That we are going to use wisdom, kindness, And above and beyond that, we are going to make space for God to step in and do something incredible in our lives. Let me pray. God, we are, we're just, it's life. Life just throws it at us all the time. Just feel overwhelmed about the future about the present, about relationships, about our jobs, about our finances. Some fork in the road that we find ourselves in and we don't know which way to go. And God, I pray that that we wouldn't just go into old patterns. We wouldn't just always fight. We wouldn't always just hide. We wouldn't compromise, God. But God, that with wisdom, with kindness, with tact, we would engage and that God, that we would really trust you, like really trust you and believe that your power can step into our situations and bring a blessing. That God, that we would leave that space for you to show up big. And I pray that the next months would be just full of stories of the healing and peace and life that you bring to us. And God, we're so thankful for your son, that rock that comes from the sky that just destroys all of this and brings an eternal kingdom for us. Your son, Jesus, we are so thankful for him and the life that he offers. And God, I pray that we would cling to it this week. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.